We're recording today on the lands of the Jagera people and acknowledge the traditional elders here, past and present. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm a former registered nurse and midwife in private practice and community advocate. Hello everyone, I'm Tim. I'm a digital marketer and small business owner. Welcome to Beyond the Rona. We're on a journey here to find out what our community members think are the big problems and big solutions as we emerge from the pandemic. So yeah, welcome to season two. Here we are. Yeah. 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 We, 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 we got renewed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New season. Yeah. Hopefully season. people have come back to watch us. Hopefully exactly. they, um, they found us pretty interesting last time or we've got new, new people watching. So yeah. 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 So welcome to the new people um, watching or hearing us, I guess. What we're doing differently this season is um, weekly. So we're going to move to a weekly format because, you know, we've got a federal election here coming up, likely to be May. So we want to try to cover a few more topics and, you know, even delve into some of those those um, bigger topics that we discussed last season. But basically uh, every episode or you, close to every episode, we'll have a guest. So we'll chat about a particular theme with them and at the end, we ask them what their three big ideas are for, you know, particularly in that, in that theme, how we improve, how we grow and kind of build back better after the pandemic. Yeah. <clears throat> and oh my gosh, what a year we've had already. Hey, we've had flood, war, plague, um, you know, absolutely uh, everything. You name it. So we've had yeah, it. a lot to go through. So I'll start with, um, it started sort of January, we had the Omicron outbreak. So this happened around December, um, December 2021 to around February. Um, well, it's still kind of going, but we've reached the peak around February and then it started coming back down again. Um, it was absolute chaos on the ground, um, especially because, um, you know, it, it sort of came so fast, I think. We had probably um probably the big outbreak happened around christmas time when people got together and probably new year's um i think the young people going out over new year's and i don't want to blame the young people but young people going out over new year's and you know all cramming in together we didn't have um we didn't have a mask yeah. mandate at that time um and uh you know it just yeah it just went like a wildfire um, and Omicron being very transmissible, um, although not as, um, you know, it didn't have such dire consequences, but it was really, really um, transmissible. Um, everybody seemed to get it. Uh, if you didn't get it, you were really lucky. I think you were one of the lucky ones, Tim. Um, yeah, that I, so, that I know of. Yeah, yeah, I may have had it, but I didn't know. But, but yes, I... I I never actually uh, had any symptoms, and and so I think I didn't get it. But yeah, I know so many, so many people that did. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there who had symptoms but couldn't test as well, and yeah. this was one of the problems. Um, we had see the federal government was supposed to provide these rat tests to Queensland, um, and this was one of the big problems of the chaos was that people was, um, were waiting on these rat tests to arrive up here in Queensland and then the state government could distribute them. But this was one of the big problems. We didn't have the testing capabilities here um, 
to be able to find out if you've got um, COVID. Um, so this is where it all broke down. So people were lining up in these um, private PCR testing places and the lines were going, you know, snaking up and down um, suburbs. People were sitting in their cars for, you know, four to six hours, maybe even longer. Um, and, uh, you know, along with that, there wasn't anywhere for people to go to the toilet. People were sick in their cars. Um, and, you know, people who had to go back to work had to get tested as well um, before they actually went back to work. So it wasn't a matter of, um, you know, on social media, you saw comments like, oh, just don't get tested. Um, just stay home until you get better. But employers were asking people to be tested before they went back to work. Yeah. So um, in order to be tested, they had to line up in these PCR testing clinics. Um, then we had other private testing clinics that actually shut down. So it meant that, you know, the ones who were open had these long lines. Um, and, you know, as I said, people were sick. People were getting sick from being out in the sun and people were getting sick who weren't sick originally because they were standing in these lineups yeah. and it was highly transmissible. Um, so then, you know, the people who were saying, oh, well, I just won't get tested. I'll stay home. Um, you know, then, you know, we had quite severe sick people who were in their homes not knowing what to do. So we had that confusion and that chaos. Um, and then we had people who couldn't go back to work because they had symptoms and couldn't get any treatment. We had people who were calling the ambulance. And so the ambulance system was, you know, overflowing with patients and calls. Um, and then we had people who were going to hospital, straight to hospital and not knowing what to do. So the hospitals were over, overflowing. Um, you know, it was all of these systems were backed up. And then because yeah. the truck drivers had to get the food into the, over the borders, um, then we had problems with food supply because, um, you know, they were getting sick. So they couldn't get their food in over the borders and they couldn't get tested to come back to work when they were sick. So we had problems with food supply on the shelves as well, combined with panic buying, I guess. But mostly it was because they couldn't get tested to come back to work and they couldn't actually um, cross the borders to to bring um, the food over the borders and into, um, you know, stock the shelves. So, um, yeah, this was a massive, massive problem that happened um, in Queensland. What went wrong, I guess, the federal government didn't provide the rats to Queensland. That was mm -hmm. one of the massive problems. Yes. The private PCRs, um, testing clinics, testing down, uh, closing down, sorry, that was a problem. Mm. Um, and that really um, moved the length of time that it took for a person who went to these testing clinics. It ended up taking around about, um, you know, up to seven days, maybe 10 days for some people to even get their positive test result back. So some people were even going out while they were positive, not mm. knowing that they were positive and then spreading it to others as well. Um, so this was a problem too. Yeah. Um, cause some people just couldn't wait any longer and they had to go back to work. Had to work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then we had, um, we had other healthcare needs that were neglected because if you had any symptom whatsoever, you couldn't go and see a healthcare professional. Um, so, and they also shut down, uh, elective surgery, um, yeah. you know, this sort of thing, outpatients clinics. So 
you know, other healthcare needs got neglected at the same time. So we're going to have that that backlog to still come through the health system. Mm. Um, we had people isolated for extended periods of time without pay. So, you know, business, um, small business problems, um, you know, problems with people from the lower socioeconomic areas again, yeah. because they might be your casual workers and people who can't do without pay. Um, we had loss of support for disabled people um, because if they had symptoms, they lost their support workers. As I've said before, food shortages, staff shortages. Um, you know, your federal response, they should be in charge of your sovereign borders, like your aged care facilities, your disability care. They weren't taken care of at all. Um, yeah. They hadn't even finished doing the vaccination rollout. Um, your vulnerable communities, they should be in charge of your First Nation um, people, um, PPE, your quarantine, um, vaccination procurement and delivery, messaging and communication. I mean, we know that they were incompetent with all of this. Um, they should have been in charge of, you know, for example, Medicare. I know during this, I think it was, they brought back in, you could do telehealth again, which was, you know, oh, thank you very much, my gosh. Um, but yeah, they they really let us down with the fact that we couldn't get tested. Um, yeah. And testing is, and diagnosis is a part of their responsibility for healthcare. Yes. You know, that it's a part of Medicare. Um, and, uh, you know, and then the state response, oh, and, you know, and they just decided at, at that stage, sorry, to just send essential workers back to work, even if they tested positive to COVID because they needed to keep the economy going. Um, and this was healthcare workers as well. Mm. Um, so, and, and they also shortened the quarantine time. Um, and the state response was a little bit on that as well, that they decided to just, um, not worry about testing, um, for essential workers and, um, you know, to shorten the time to, I think it was four days after you got infected that you could go back to work and, um, you know, this sort of thing, which it really made everything confusing. The things that we know about infection control, um, they confused these, um, these rules, which has been the way, the way that they've done it all through the whole pandemic. Um, it hasn't made sense. And I think this mm. adds to the people who are the conspiracy theorists on the pandemic and on, you know, the, um, what do they call it? The plandemic, you know, the people mm. who think that the whole COVID response is this government conspiracy, um, mm. because it doesn't make sense when you're not leading with a health response and you're leading with a government economic sort of response. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it makes it so confusing when um, they're not listening to the health experts and the health experts are going, hang on a minute, that that doesn't make sense in terms yeah. of infection control. You're just yeah. changing the rules now because yes. of the economy. Because we need the economy booming, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And they're so connected, right? Like we, we've learned like that a healthy population is a productive population. We need, we need to be healthy in order to work, in order to... to you know, grow and, and participate in the economy. So hopefully governments learnt that lesson. Yeah, hopefully, but I, I just don't. But I don't I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they still think that they can get away with yeah. making up these rules 
mm. um, without actually saying, look, we realise that this is not actually health-led, yes. um, that this is actually government policy-led, um, you know, but, and then, and then say it, but, you know, they're trying to fool everybody into thinking mm. that, you know, this is actually a health response, but mm. it's not. Some of it is a health response and some of it is government policy response yeah. because of the economy, you yeah. know. And that's where that kind of smushes together is where the the conspiracy theorists thrive, mm -hmm. you know, because it is a lot of bullshit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then they do Lots get of contradictions. That. It yeah. is. And they get yeah. the healthcare workers come out and say, yeah, you know, they have spoken bullshit there. And it's true. Yeah. They have. Yeah. Because it's not infection control at all. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I can understand that, yeah, masks are part of infection control because we wear them in surgery. Um, mm. And so, you know, of course it would help. Um, yes. But, you know, then when you have a whole stadium full of people, and they say, oh, no, you don't need to wear a mask when you have a whole stadium full of people. But now, you know, you can't have, you know, 20 people at your party. It, you know, these yeah. sorts of things. It's, it is a contradiction and it doesn't yes. make sense. And, of course, people are going to start to think, yeah, there's one rule for you and run one rule for everybody else. Exactly. So Queensland Health did um, hold consumer meetings to try and understand uh, what the concerns were on the ground and fix them. But really, um, really everybody just needed these rats. That was the main problem. Um, and Scott Morrison's answer was, you know, that um, he doesn't give a rats, you know, and that was the <laughs> big, yeah, he's not yeah. responsible for it. Go to Chemist Warehouse. The yeah. market will solve the problem. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting when he said um, some people can afford it and some people can't. And, you know, it, he's, he's always got that, you know, that he doesn't take responsibility exactly. for anything. Exactly. Um, which infuriates time time me. And oh. I wonder whether, like, you know, we're now March, we're less than three months away. Like, will, from the election, will voters remember this? Will they mark down the government? based on all of these shortcomings, rats with the vaccination rollout. Like, that is the key question. Will people remember this? I know. I know. I hope they yeah. do. But yeah. anyway, eventually we got the PCR result results quicker. Um, you know, treatment guidelines were more streamlined. We now have access to a phone number now to get onto um, this kind of hospital in the home monitoring system. Mm. Um, you know, helplines improved and Queensland Health improved their AI system, which was absolutely terrible. So they had this AI system um, which triaged people when you first mm. got COVID and you reported your you know, positive rat or your positive test online. They triaged you if you had underlying health conditions, but this AI system was just shocking and it didn't work. Um, you know, they, yeah, their, their AI system was, was terrible, but anyway, it's supposedly they're working on it. Um, mm. yeah. So peak numbers, um, yeah. If you put it in perspective in 2019, we had about 800 deaths from the flu. Um, in 2020, we had about 909 deaths from COVID 
In 2021, we had 1,344 deaths from COVID. Um, and in January of this year, we had 1,582 deaths from COVID, mm. which is 10% excess mortality rate. So when, when we look at deaths and how bad things are, we look at the excess mortality rate of what we would have expected deaths right. to be at that particular time. So 10% more deaths than what we would have expected. Huh. Um, we've had um, 21.6 million people have at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccination. Um, and we've had about 108,000 reports of reactions but that could be anything like redness at the site of the injection. Mm. We've had about 3,000 cases of suspected pericarditis or myocarditis, but no deaths at all, and they've all recovered. And mm. 11 deaths in total from COVID-19 vaccination, which was the AstraZeneca one. So it seems like after all of the arguments, it seems like vaccination was good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have all these arguments online about, oh, but you've had all these people vaccinated who have gone into hospital. But that's the thing. If we've got all these people who are vaccinated, you know, of course, we're going to, you know what I mean? We're going to have, it's just basic maths. We're going to hmm. have, you know, a bunch of people who are vaccinated and in hospital with COVID because yeah. most of the population is vaccinated. It, yeah. It just makes sense. But we have had a higher number of unvaccinated people in hospital with COVID. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they said you were 24 times more likely to be in ICU yeah, right. if you were unvaccinated and you got COVID, which is massive. So then we move on and we've got like this protest movement happening. We had this convoy to Canberra happening. Um, that was huge. Um, they wanted all these restrictions lifting. And I'd say that this happened because of you know, the confusion and the mistrust of the government. Um, two big people, two big players in this convoy to Canberra. One was Ricardo Bossi. And what he wanted was for the governor general to dissolve parliament. I don't know how he thought that would happen, but mm. it hasn't happened. But he's got a lot of followers and he's very good at marketing. He uses... Like uh, um, ScoMo. Yes. <laughs> yes, like ScoMo. He uses a few little marketing phrases in his speeches uh -huh. and he, he wears his army stuff all the time and, you know, he he sounds good, I guess, mm -hmm. when I listen to him. Anyway, he's got a lot of followers. Right. And then um, Graham Hood, who's a ex, you know, captain in the, like, he flies planes. I don't know. Anyway, and he wants to get rid of mandates and give the jobs back to the unvaxxed, which I think that'll probably happen. Um, and so he'll probably stay a hero to the, yeah. to the convoy people. Yeah. Um, but this convoy to Canberra is like this world pool full of all the people who are angry. So that's like yeah. the anti-vax movement, people against the um, mandates, mm. people who are anti-government, neo-Nazis, anti-Australian constitution people, people who are talking about this Nuremberg 2.0, people who are against this new world order, um, people who want to reinstate the unvaxxed into their jobs that they lost, people who don't want this digital identity expansion. Um, there's like all sorts of these um, eureka flag and 
shipping yeah. flags and like, there's, mm. there's all sorts of like really angry people down there. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to these people who are the, the angry voters, but at the moment it looks like they're being harnessed by one nation and United Australia United. party. Mm. Then, oh, just on that yeah. point about the UAP, it's really interesting. Uh, the previous news poll, just before we publish this this episode, the previous news poll broke out UAP to a separate number, and they're at four percent of the news poll vote. So one nation was at three, and just looking at Twitter, I saw a few people saying, "Oh, UAP is at four percent, so that means they'll likely pick up a few seats." And I, I really wonder about that like it, whether it's whether it, it is a concentrated vote in certain electorates which would be the case yeah. or if it's a really spread out kind of vote and it ends up being a really small percentage that ends up you know preferencing ultimately lnp and and they end up with zero seats again that's going to be the key question oh look they have so many billboards i i think i feel like it's around our area but in logan yes it is yeah, really like, concentrated. I wonder if it's around every area, like, because I saw this yeah. thing on Juice Media, and it said like that they have actually they've put so much money UAP has yeah. put so much money into this that they've got ads everywhere. Yes. So maybe they've got these billboards everywhere. Maybe it's not just Logan. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's a great video, by the way. We'll we'll link it in the the notes. The 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 Juice Media video on on UAP. Yeah, and but, but I think it is that complete kind of uh smothering of billboards digital uh youtube pre-roll ads all over facebook sms like you name it that they've yeah. been hitting every channel yeah yeah they do they do but the thing is they're not they're not really providing anything for these people i mean their their policies yeah. are not in the best interests of these yeah. angry voters that the, the the people that they're targeting, like, um, they don't provide anything useful for them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, there are other, there are other parties who could provide things that would make their life better, you know, yes. um, you know, social justice, um, policies and, yeah. um, dental into Medicare, for example, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Something, you know, free TAFE and uni, for example. Pro properly funded free public services. Yes. 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 Yeah. That would make their lives better. Not, Wouldn't it? you know, not more oil and gas. Yeah. Um, you know, that's all that United Australia Party wants. Exactly. Yeah. They don't actually care about them as people. No. They care about their corporate interests. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, then, you know, then we've had the religious discrimination bill that was massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that um, really was harmful to transgender kids. And yeah. that's been shelved at the moment, though. Uh, we've got more discrimination that's continued. Uh, well, we've got the anti-vax, anti-mandate people that are talking about discrimination that's happening. Um, I think all of these mandates are going to be lifted anyway. So, you yeah. know, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. We're up to about 90% vaccinated anyway. Exactly. Um, we've got disability discrimination that's continuing in the community, aged care, um, you know, the Royal Commission uh, recommendations still haven't been implemented and we've got 
massive problems in aged care because of, uh, well, we've seen with COVID lots and lots of deaths that have occurred in with COVID that um, shouldn't have happened. Um, and we've got, um, yeah, the angry voters that we've just talked about that mm -hmm. want social justice. So, yeah, lots of problems still to happen in that space. And uh, now we've got a, a war happening. So Yes. <laughs> yeah. This one is interesting. So we've got, okay, we, this is kind of complicated. So there's lots of pieces in this puzzle. We've got the Australia and China relationship strain. Um, mm. So this is where China has their boats in our international waters and, um, you know, we're a little bit mad with them um, over, you know, human rights abuses that's happening in China and, you know, these sorts of things. And so we've got these um, trade bans that are happening and stuff like that. So we've got strain happening between Australia and China. Then there's China and Russia are in this little relationship pact. Then we've got the Australia, UK and US relationship pact with our little mm -hmm. submarine deal and blah, blah, blah. Then we've got China interested in what's happening with the USA reaction to um, to Russia because, like, China's thinking, oh, I might want to see what's happening, you know, with the USA reaction because I want to see, uh, you know, I want to go into Taiwan and do the same thing. So, um, so they're watching very closely. Then we've got, like, Ukraine wanted to have a seat at the table on um, – NATO, NATO, NATO. How do you say that? Yeah. NATO, NATO, yeah. I think, yeah. NATO. Um, but um, Russia said no, you can't because mm. I'm in charge and I'm I'm the bully. And then um, Russia exports like oil and gas, right? Mm. And apparently Germany wanted oil and gas from Russia, and so they wanted to be friends with Russia and didn't want to rock the boat there. Um, but they were telling everybody, no, we don't want any war happening. We don't want any war happening. Mm. Um, and apparently they are the manufacturer of all the weapons. Ugh, I don't know, a heap of weapons across Europe. Um, and so they were telling everybody in Europe that they can't send the weapons to a third party. Um, and so there were all these weapons that were stockpiled across Europe, but they couldn't send these weapons to Ukraine to, um, uh, you know, to help them. But now they've they folded and Germany has said, okay, now you can send these, mm. these weapons over to Ukraine to help them. Um, so yeah, now Germany's sort of folded and, and said, yeah, now you can support Ukraine. So there's heaps of support now going to Ukraine. NATO have said that they'll support Ukraine with weapons. And I think Australia is sending weapons via NATO to Ukraine as uh -huh. well. Um, and they've got like, the SWIFT global banking system um, has been like they've got a sanction on that as well. So, like, there's yeah. a heap of sanctions that's happened. Like, the whole the whole world pretty much is helping Ukraine. So, mm. like, there's really only I think Russia, China, India, and United Arab Emirates who are kind of all mates together. Um, mm -hmm. That's as far as I can work out. Um, mm. But basically, the message that they want to send to Russia and China is that they need to respect the sovereign borders that are in place in the world. Um, so, yeah, basically, I guess at the end of all of this, you know, um, 
obviously we're, you know, horrified at, at what's happened and the fact that Russia's just decided to go in and, um, you know, uh, be bullies to another country, but, um, and horrified at the loss of life of um, innocent people. Um, but yeah, how do we move towards um, world peace and a non-violent society, Tim? What do we do? Where's my save eight us. ball? <laughs> yeah, save us, Tim. Well, that's the ultimate question. The, the interesting thing is that fossil fuels are again kind of, you know, at the heart of this. I mean, it's certainly not what kicked off the war, but it's a really big part. And, you know, this idea of sovereign energy production capability and for each country to be able to, with, you know, renewable technology, create their own energy. I think that's going to be so much more important that we, you know, as a, as a world move, move towards that. And there isn't this interdependency, especially <clears throat> on countries like, you know, Russia and, and others that, uh, can use it as a, as a, as a bargaining chip or as leverage, mm. which is what's happening here. So uh, the, yeah, the, I think uh, actually there's, when we talk about climate policy and kind of ad addressing that problem with economic and kind of production solutions that has ramifications everywhere, I feel. So it's certainly not like the solution, but it's like a really big part. Uh, if, if countries can actually ma manufacture their own energy requirements. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? We need to, um, so let's just make that happen. <laughs> yeah. We need to move to renewables, don't we? We, that's, we absolutely do. Yeah. And there hasn't been, um, you, we're like, we're like the poster child for renewables here because we had a flood as well. If we, we did. Yeah. If we're not in a war or a plague or, um, you know, any of those other things where, um, we've now been flooded a we're bushfire flooding. as well. We've had a bushfire, um, 2019. Yeah. We've had it all here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now we're flooded. Um, so we had a massive rain bomb across Southeast Queensland and New South mm -hmm. Wales just now. We had two thirds of an entire year's rain in the last five days. Eight people sadly lost their lives in Queensland mm -hmm. so far. Um, 20,000 homes predicted to be fully flooded. Whoops. Or partially flooded. Just lost my microphone. I'm so professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good, good recovery. I know. <laughs> I'm playing with the um, the wire. Anyway, um, and Brisbane and Gympie have been declared disaster areas. Uh, mm. Lismore, the photos have shown people rescued off their roofs um, and yeah. possibly people still trapped under their homes underwater, which is really gruesome. Every yeah. time I think about that, I feel sick, you know. Yeah. Imagine that, like when the waters come down. Oh, my God. Like that's... Yeah, that's sickening. Um, the schools have been shut here for two days, so the kids are probably loving it, but mm. um, but the whole thing is just a disaster. I've been so lucky. My house has kept up. Like, you know, mm. usually usually in these things I've got leaks, but, like, mm -hmm. I've gone around and um, managed to get all the leaks. The only mm. thing that's happened is um, the house moved, and so now the doors won't shut properly. <laughs> you know, cause I'm on clay, but that's fine. At least it didn't mm. leak. And like, I've got drains in the yard now from the other times. And so, you know, I managed to get all the water to go around me and flood the neighbors. You know? 
<laughs> no, I'm joking. No, it goes. <laughs> no, it goes into the drains in the yard. You know, um, but some, a lot of people aren't that lucky. You know, yeah. I feel like this is not a laughing matter. It's mm. been really bad for a lot of people. It has. Yeah. Bunnings went under for God's sake. Yeah. Did you see that? That was yeah, terrible. Roughly, yeah, crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, and at the same time, it was really good timing. The IPCC report was just released and they said yes. the UN says we need more action on climate change. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to say Absolutely. about that? Let's just do it. You know, I, 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 it, how many more disasters, natural disasters do we need to go to, through as a community to change the way we decide who's who's calling the shots uh, in in our state and in our country. So, I you, you know, this, this whole talk of like, you know, the one in 100 year flood now happening every 10 years, it will just keep happening. Like this is exactly what the scientists have been warning for decades. This is not new, like ever since, you know, the 60s and 70s. It's like, hmm, this climate thing is a bit of a problem. And just here we are, like yeah. 50 years later, just going, hmm, yeah, it's really a big problem. Like, are we yeah. actually going to do it? Are we, are we going to change the way we decide? It, it really does come down to us. We, we, we need to, to, to make our voices heard. I think um, we're going to have to do some, like, organising to make sure that we've got some grassroots democracy happening. Yes, I completely agree. And so... Yes, we do need to organize in our communities. And I think uh, out of everything that we've discussed, how does this actually affect the people of Logan and what's going to motivate them, do you think, to to take matters into their own hands? Well, I think it's always a matter of, um, you know, thinking globally and acting lo locally. So, I mean, you know, we, we think about all of these things that have affected the people of Logan and, you know, I think we're probably going to have a lot of like collective trauma, you know, that's happened to these, to, to us, to all of us that, um, we've been through so much in such a short period of time that I think the people, um, are going to be feeling these effects for some time to come. Um, but I think, you know, we, we are going to look at our policymakers to, to think, um, you know, are there going to be some decent policies that are going to um, make sure that we all have what we need to live a good life? Um, so I think, um, you know, it would be good to, um, you know, to make sure that, yeah, that they are thinking of, you know, what's best for the people of Logan and instead of what's best for, you know, corporate developers and, um, yeah, and the mining conglomerates. Yes. That would be good. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, for once. It's, it's a small ask, really. I know. I know. It's not much to ask. Put, put, the, yeah. put the voters in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep the voters in mind. But, yeah, I think um, on the point of this season, we are certainly going to be covering a lot of topics, as we did in season one. And so looking ahead, you know, we've got – episodes that revisit some of the topics that we touched on season one, like housing. Uh, we're going to be uh, bringing up that animal rights uh, point that we did mention in season one, but didn't get to in terms of a, yeah, a natural episode. Right. Uh, we're going to be talking that's about right. small business 
and businesses in general and money and capital around that. Um, we're going to be talking about revisiting health and specifically uh, dental and mental health and how important that is to get that covered under Medicare as well as, um, yeah, education. And so we had, we did cover education in a few, uh, episodes last, uh, season. However, this one, yeah, is really about that, that whole concept of free education. And then, um, we'll also touch base with a couple of, of, um, different cultural communities as well. So the Indian community and the Chinese community. And yeah. by the end of May that will, or mid May that will take us up to the election. And so we'll obviously have a couple of episodes all around the fun and games happening at that time too. Yeah. So it's a big season. Yeah. It is. It is. And I think because we've come to season two, um, and we've had all of these things happen to, um, around us in our lives, I think it's time to kind of revisit are we still on the right track as well ha, you know have you changed what your three big things are to yeah. move us through you know this period of our lives living with coronavirus and also moving to the federal election tim what what have you thought um, what are your three big things well something that came up you know today in this episode is climate and it's not for, for me, I think it's not just um, the immediate impact that we all see, like, for example, the flood and the bushfires, you know, um, 2019. It's more about, I guess, the benefits of actually acting on climate. Um, so if, almost like if we put all of the kind of environmental benefits aside and just even look at like all of these other kind of secondary benefits, um, like the economic benefits, the benefits of not leaving behind the thousands of people that are employed in the fossil fuel industry currently, who, yeah. if this continues to go as it is, is going to end up like the automotive industry where one day the gates will, will shut and they won't have a job to go to. And we're just going to leave these thousands of people without work. Um, that's literally what, what is happening when the government just keeps saying, we're going to be digging coal out of the ground for the rest of, the, of humanity. So we do need to, to invest in their future jobs and the transition that, that they're going to have. And also like, um, the economic benefits, there's trillions of dollars in, in the world that are being invested into renewables right now, uh, and securing our sovereign production of energy in this country is so important. In fact, for, for all countries that could result in fewer conflicts. So there's just so much benefits acting on, on climate. So that would be my number one, I'd, I'd say. Um, the second thing for me would be very timely with the election, but for a big idea really is to look at voting records. So when you're casting your vote, when you're considering a candidate, just looking at how they've voted on bills and on legislation can be really illuminating because they might be saying one thing and actually doing another when, when they're in parliament or when they're in the Senate. Um, and the Juice Media video that we did mention before and we'll link to is a fantastic example of Craig Kelly that votes a certain way but says something different. And yep. so I think actually looking at voting, um, how these MPs and senators vote is just so important. And then the third thing for me would be um, housing. And we do have some episodes coming up on housing, but housing has always been a right, I feel, like for, for decades and decades and has... You know, because of government policy, we need to be clear that kind of government created this this transition of housing moving from a right to an investment vehicle. 
And now that it's an investment vehicle, uh, that crisis around affordability um, was kind of expected because when it's an investment vehicle, the price must go up. Like that's a bad investment if the price stagnates or it goes down. So there was really only one, one upshot of negative gearing of, you know, tilting the market towards investors. And that was that prices were going to absolutely skyrocket. And that was at the government's hand in the eighties. So the government has, has brought us here today and, and the government needs to, needs to solve this affordability crisis. Um, and also, also renters rights on that point. Um, yeah. but yes, three big ideas. What are, what are yours? Um, I'm still, yeah, I'm saying climate change, action on climate change. Yep. Yeah. Uh, free TAFE and uni for our people of Logan. Definitely. Uh, I think that'll definitely help us Yes. and free dental and mental health into Medicare. I'm still sold on that one after so all good. the, um, the people we've spoken to so far. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll see, um, if that changes as we talk to more people in our community through our episodes. Yeah. Um, and as we move into the, the federal election, um, yeah, it's going to be epic. It will. <laughs> it will be epic. I agree. <laughs> That's the word of the, of the last few months, isn't it? <laughs> yep. This, this episode was sponsored by Epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it's good to talk to you, Tim. As always. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs> You've been listening to Beyond the Rona. Captioned audio is available on our YouTube channel, or you can visit beyondtherona.com to keep in touch or, vis or view previous episodes. Um, yeah, we'll catch you later. See ya.